let's get down to business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Oh, I make money moves. You can't see me, my time is now. now. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another episode of the Massive Joe's Show podcast, Fitness Times Business. My name's Joseph Mansell, CEO of Massive Joe's. I am your host, and I'm joined in this episode number 26, the grand finale, by the Larry Bird of Massive Joe's. Larry Bird is some. Steve Mills. Hello. You know who Larry Bird is, right? Yeah, yeah. Mate, you know, listen, it's the last episode. It's the grand finale mm. of the Massive Joe Show podcast. Had to introduce you and go out with a bang. So I'm, I'm, I'm referring to you as Larry Bird. This I'll episode. take Larry Bird. One of the greatest of all time. Yes. Obviously retired. Yes. You're about to retire. Well, I, wish, I wish I'd retire completely <laughs> from life. Guys, it's the finale. It's the last installment. It's the final piece of the puzzle of the Massive Joe Show. 26 episodes, 26 of the best. Big Neve, a little bit of background, man. Why is this our last episode? Well, I have uh, four weeks ago handing my resignation here from Massive Joe's. I'd call it retirement. Retirement. It well, sounds better when you say retirement than resignation. It is retirement. It's like, it's like Larry Bird didn't resign. I mean, retired. resignation sounds so formal, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like being formal in any aspect. Yeah. So, so let's say retirement. We'll go retirement. You're, yes. You're leaving the game. Yeah. Moving on to bigger and better things. I don't know about better or bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, go, wouldn't go with either of those. Moving but, on to different things. Yeah. So this is going to be our last uh, installment of the Massive Joe Show podcast as to where we move to next. Well, we'll address that towards the end of this episode. Mm. But I wanted to do something a little bit different in this episode. Obviously, this is the Fitness Times Business podcast. That's mm-hmm. the premise of, uh, of, of this podcast. Every now and again, you and I tend to bring in a uh, third amigo mm-hmm. and do an interview style podcast. Mm-hmm. There is no third amigo. It's just you and I. Uh-huh. But I thought, you know what, man? It's your last podcast, last episode of the Massive Joe Show. I feel like we should do an interview of Steve Mills. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully. Thoughts? No, I think it's all right. Yeah. But it is, we can roll with it? Yeah, it's just I need to make sure I don't fucking um, do it fresh. And go for two and a half and go hours. For two and a half hours. Listen, mate, so we don't have two and a half I don't, hours. I definitely don't have as many stories as Fresh. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, I, the thing is, I can tie it up in one sentence, whereas Fresh will give you the, what the weather yeah. was like and the and the everything. So Fresh is uh, he's very illustrative in he his is. storytelling prowess. Mm. That was episode twenty four. For those of you who haven't listened, you should go check it out. All right, so let's uh, man, let's just dive straight into it. The Steve Mills story. Let's let's hear it right from uh, you know. Take us back. Let's talk about a little bit of fitness. Obviously, it's a big part of your life. Let's talk about a little bit of business. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's also been a big part of your life. How mm-hmm. did you, you know, end up? Because uh, not a lot of people really know your story, right? So, how did you end up as the general manager of Massive Joe's? Mm-hmm. You know, how did you get to this position? What are you looking at doing mm-hmm. from here after mm-hmm. retirement, post retirement? Mm-hmm. Let's hear it, man. Um, what is yours, Larry Bird? I mean, I haven't written anything down because I don't like to come to these prepared. So, I guess. When I look back, I mean, to, to sum things up is obviously I think you have to go back to when I was a lot younger. And even since the, when I was fucking day I was born, I was given a football and a pair of footy boots by my granddad. And pretty much all I ever wanted to do growing up was play AFL football. Mm. And that was, I mean, obviously people want to be bricklayers and firemen and stuff. And I just wanted to play AFL football. And that was pretty much my entire life is I never, I slept with a football. I didn't actually have 
teddy bears or anything like that as a football, kid. I just the football was your bear. I had Did you a, give it a name. No, no. no. <laughs> I had a that far. I had a football. I actually had a football box. So people had toy boxes. I had a football box, and I had about fifteen or twenty different footballs. Yeah. And that's all I used to do was just count bounce footballs and kick footballs. And I never actually had a not didn't have a football in my hand. Yeah. So growing up, I was obviously very active in terms of, um, yeah, sports and, and well, football in particular. And then did Oz kick from age three or four and then started playing Hope Valley uh, footy club under eights and then went through. And pretty much, um, yeah, did well. I, but, <sighs> I wasn't a good footballer growing up mm. in my early days, but I was the hardest worker by a country mile. Yeah. So because I didn't have a foot, because I had a football in my hand the whole time, I was always working on my skills, always working on running and, and training. I was always first to training and last to leave, all those kind of things. And you've always had you've always had good genetics for athletic yeah, yeah. But even, ability. But even from a young age, yeah. as, as I was never the best footballer in my team. Mm. I was probably the one I wouldn't say the worst, but I was definitely not in the top ten even in in terms of my um, team. But the thing is, is I grew up with a good group of mates who um, I started playing footy with since under eights. And the thing is, is because of my age, I was meant to play two years of under eights because I was too young when I actually started playing footy. But I never stayed down, so I always played upper grade. So I always got a special request from the league or something, and I always played a year up mm. until under thirteens. And my best mate growing up since I was three or four, he lived two doors, two houses down from me and he started playing and for Hope Valley, he started playing footy. And I'm like, no, I want to play with Brad. So I went back and played a second year in under 13s. And I don't know if it was because I'd sort of started to mature and started growing as my body or if because now I was playing with kids my own age. But I won best and fairest that year mm-hmm. and I was captain that year. Mm-hmm. So I went from being a ship footballer to the best. Yeah, the best and fairest the and cream, captain. Cream of the crop. And then that next year got uh, invited out to Nord Footy Club and then became captain um, of Nord Footy Club um, and under 13s, 14s, mm. under 15s, under 17s, I was captain of Nord Footy Club and, and won the Nord under 17s, best and fairest. Um and yeah, while well, I was still playing at Hope Valley as and captaining and winning best and fairest. And then uh, then out at Mobbury High School where I went to school, uh, played um, year 11 and year 12 football. We were in a big football school, but we had a lot of good footballers. Yeah. Um, and in that, I yeah was captain and yeah, captain of the year 12 footy team as well. So I've always had like a leadership. Yeah. I've always been a good leader, mm. um, both vocally um, I know it's one of those people where I'm very reserved, mm. but put me on a football field or put me where I need to be and I'm a different person. Mm. Um, and I was always very vocal and very loud and yelled at everyone and was almost, yeah, just told, telling everyone like a second coach on the ground really mm. because it was just, I was in my element and I just knew what I was doing and was good at it. And then, yeah, then it took me out to under 16s. I got picked for the state side and in under 16s I was the I always remember I was the in all the football skills tests I was the fittest in the under 16s as well um and yeah got something like 15 in the beep test at the at some trials at some nationals I remember down at um uh, down at Sassy mm-hmm. 
won the beep test and won a whole heap of things as well. But that was the thing is I was just always a lot shorter than the other guys. Mm. But yeah, so that's that was kind of my football growing up. And during that time, I also had two knee operations mm. and two nose operations. Mm. So from football, from football yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, so after two nose, uh, sorry, two nose and two knee operations, it was kind of getting to that stage where I was thinking, fuck, sort of. The body does yeah, not like this. The body does not like it. So. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's, 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 um, not uncommon, mm. you know, especially when you start playing these, uh, you know, performance-based sports at a young age, mm. a lot of the time it's almost like survivor, mm. you know, like yeah. a lot of guys and even, you know, my, my background in basketball, it's just a lot of guys who ended up making it to, to, the, mm. to the pro league were the ones whose bodies didn't break yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. It's like, it's the ones who didn't have serious knee problems mm. or ankle problems or back problems or shoulder issues or, yeah. you know, so it's not uncommon that, you know, you, you, you can be quite a good yeah. um, performance sports-based person when you're younger mm. and then something happens injury related mm. and it's kind of like, yeah, well, you know. And that was the, the issue is I was playing Tuesday, Wednesday, I was playing school footy. Yeah. Saturday I was playing Nord, Sunday I was playing Hope Valley. So I was mm. playing three games of footy mm. and I had a GPS strapped to me um, for a lot of the games and I was running anywhere from 18 to 22 Ks a game. So because I played on the wing or on the ball, I was, yeah. I was running yeah, 20 Ks a game. Yeah. Times that by three games, I was running 60 Ks a week plus training on top of that. My body just was not, was not liking me one bit. Mm. But then that's the thing is the harder I trained, the better I recovered as well. Like I did stuff like driving to the beach and going in the water or yeah. well, I didn't drive, my mum dropped me off, but didn't ice bars at home. Mum would go to the server and buy bags of ice and I'd do ice bars and um, radox bars and all this kind of stuff. And I guess I wasn't, I mean, even back then, I mean, that's 15 years ago and I, I hadn't researched anything, but mm. I was still sort of that one step ahead, I guess, with, recovery and ice bars yeah. and getting massages, yeah. massages, those kind of things. I had shin splints as well, um, which is another injury and it just like stuff like that. Just yeah. like, um, Glenn Dodds, that's how I met Glenn, your physio as well was mm. he treated me when I was about 16 or 17. So I had shin splints. Now it was a half a season where I couldn't run. I, I didn't train. I just played the game on Saturdays and, um, yeah, the sort of the coach kind of just nursed me through the season really. And I just played games and then, we made the finals and we, we didn't win the grand final, but um, yeah, just stuff like that was just injuries started taking its toll. And I think that that was when, um, yeah, it sort of got to the end of my football career where mum and dad were kind of like, yeah, we kind of support you not playing. Mm. I mean, my dad uh, was a good footballer as well. He played for West Adelaide. Mm. Um, but that was the thing is, is yeah, which I didn't think he'd be. I didn't think he'd support me and stop playing footy. I mean, the biggest, probably the thing he said is like, don't regret it when you're older, mm. that you've given up at 18 or 19, however old I was. That was the other thing as well is, is being out at Norwood, I was only getting 50 bucks a game mm. and being taxed on that as well. Mm-hmm. So I was getting like 42 bucks a game or whatever. Yeah. I didn't even know what it worked out to be. And that was for three nights a week training, plus a game Saturday, plus a game on Sunday. Um, but yeah, I'll come back to me finishing up playing footy, but I mean, throughout all that, I mean, I played, um, social basketball at Taramara mm. up at, um, Norwood. I so played. You, you really are Larry Bird. I, I was, <laughs> I was the kid that was a good passer in her. Yeah. And that was about my ball. Yeah, I, I nice, took all the, nice. cause my mate's like. More uh, of a soccer skill, but that's cool. Yeah. Cause my, my mate Tyson, he was like. Need 200 centimeters and he played for like the Rockets and stuff. And then my yeah. mate Aaron played for Norwood Flames yeah. and. 
mate Brad played out in Nord as well. So I was kind of the, the shit one yeah. in the team. But so I took all the pass-ins and let them do the work down the court. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was about it. And then I played state tennis as well, um, which was, yeah, another thing. But that was kind of when I had to pick between tennis and footy and I chose footy, footy overall. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so while I was doing that, obviously uh, you couldn't start working until you're 13 and three quarters here in South Australia. Mm-hmm. So when I was 12, and no, sorry, 13, my dad got me a job at Coles because my dad's worked for Coles. And I said that before on the podcast. But yeah. when I was 13, my dad got me a Bobby job. Mills. Got me a job at Tea Tree Plaza doing the shelf face up. Yeah. So it wasn't even a good job. Yeah. And then a bit of shelf stacking. But got me a job at 13. The reason why he got me the job was was because I couldn't be paid. Mm-hmm. So he would only get me the job if I worked for a year for free. Mm-hmm. So I used to go to Coles Tea Tree Plaza. Coles probably don't want to know this that I had an underage, yeah, unpaid. Say, hypothetically, <laughs> hypothetically, you worked at Coles Tea Tree Plaza. Yeah, and um, <laughs> yeah, I went there for a year, um, only two two-hour shifts a week. Um, but yeah, just started working there, and um, yeah. Got a, I don't even know why the fuck I did it to be honest, but I did it just um, to get it to get my foot in the door, and then yeah, started uh, working at Coles, and um, then moved into Coles Nightfield. Mm-hmm. So throughout high school, I worked Coles Nightfield. We had Tuesday, Wednesday, no Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays. So I was working about twenty hours a week at Coles on top of footy, on top of high school as well. Mm-hmm. And then me and my mate Brad, one that lived two doors down, because he was my mate. My dad also got him a job, but we kind of took over Nightfield in the grocery department. For, for a big part of um, Coles and Future Plaza there for a while. Um, so, I mean, yeah, from that sort of early uh, age is, um, yeah, Brad and I, both because we were switched on, but, um, yeah, started getting, I guess, re- getting recognised for hard work and getting, realised that, yeah, sort of, it, I think that was when I, I learned a lot about working and working hard and mm. um, I guess, yeah, the value of a dollar, all those kind of things because, I did have to work hard and I did have to work till midnight and had to work Saturdays. And then I did the shift as well on a, on a lot of um, Saturday nights from midnight to 8am, changing all the specials over at the end of uh, all the uh, aisles at Coles. So obviously the specials don't just appear there, but I had to work and change all the displays and, mm. and reface all those up. And um, yeah, then it got to the end of high school and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So by this stage I was still playing footy, still working at Coles, mm. Had no idea what I wanted to do, but the thing is, my mum was very much pushing me towards like going to uni, and I, I hated uni. Oh, I hated the thought of going to uni. I hated the thought of work, of of doing like study, more tertiary, study, tertiary education. Yeah. Throughout high school, I didn't <clears throat> do one minute of homework, mm. um, which frustrated the hell out of my mum because I was a bright kid. Throughout primary school, um, I was classified as a gifted student. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won the year seven award, mm-hmm. whatever that is, for the best male student. <laughs> Can't remember what it was called, but I got a like a five hundred dollar voucher or something from the, called it the Neve Award. Got it, got that from the wow. from the school. So um, yeah, year seven got the got the male student award. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was that was the problem throughout high school. I didn't get anything lower than a B. I got all A's and B's. Yeah. It started off better in year eight. I got like straight A's and then A's and one B and those kind of things. And towards I think year twelve, I got like three A's and two B's, something like that. But that was the problem is I just never applied myself. Mm-hmm. And it used to drive mum crazy. She's like, if you tried, you could do whatever you wanted to do. But yeah. just the thought of doing anything just did my head in. And I didn't want to go, I mean, she would try and push me into doing stuff like being a chiro or being a physio or those kind of things. Cause I had that sporting um, interest, but yeah. the thought of going and sitting at a desk and working in a chiro's office and physio's office, just, 
I just couldn't fathom it. So mm. yeah, got to that stage. Then when I finished school, I'm like, oh, I could be a PT, I guess. That's when I went and got my cert three and four straight out of school. Um, started that in, I finished like high school when I was 17. Um, so I wasn't even 18 yet. I turned 18 in the March of the following year after I finished at 12. Mm. So I was still like a young, obviously a young kid then, but got my uh, PT qualifications straight out of that, straight out of, um, yeah, straight out of school. Mm-hmm. So I started in like the November. I actually would be started. I started that in January. So January, February, March. I turned 18 while I was there at the Australian Institute of Fitness and got my Cert 3 and 4 in fitness, which is when I started PTing at, uh, it was Zest back then, which is good life nowadays. Yeah. But that was a problem is that because I was only just turned um, 18 is A, I had no real idea what I was doing because I'd only just done a eight week course. Mm-hmm fitness being 18 as well as I was very shy and especially going in like speaking to people like older people like someone like my dad or someone with business experience like my dad or I just didn't feel as though I could speak to them and give them the advice or give them what they needed to know and also as well as that they had me doing sales like phone calls and birthday phone calls and you haven't been in the club for two months, do you want to come in for a free session? And I had that hard sell kind of shit. So I only lasted there two months. Mm-hmm. My favorite job was going to walk from um, Zest, walking down to the post office each day because I got to get out of the gym. <laughs> On top of that as well, like I didn't train much because I was doing like the 6 a.m. till 11 a.m. shift and then I'd come back at night and do gym shifts at night and I ended yeah. up not training as well. So. Yeah it really took the passion out of that for me. So I only lasted like two or three months, of, probably like two months as a PT. Mm. I know this isn't for me because of the whole sales side of thing. Um, and then that's when my best mate from high school was studying landscaping. So he'd been landscaping on the weekends for a while. And he was a plumber, like working as a plumber Monday to Friday. And then he'd just do a bit of landscaping on the weekend for, for this guy. Um, and then he... So I was 18 and a half then, and he's like, oh, do you want to come work on the weekends for my mate? I'm like, yeah, right, no worries. Well, by mate, it was, it was an older gentleman. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm like, yeah, right, no worries, whatever. So I started working with him just on like a Saturday, Sunday, and then this guy goes, oh, look, because um, he was just doing his own work. He's like, oh, I work for a landscaping business as well. Do you want to come work for like Monday to Friday? I'll introduce you to the boss. And then, yeah, so um, a guy called Dave gave me a job Monday to Friday, um, only a hundred bucks cash a day. Mm-hmm. It was in my pocket, but a hundred bucks a day, um, 500 bucks a week. And I thought I was rolling in cash. Absolutely. So that, that was good. As, as a teenager? Yeah. Fuck as yeah. an 18 year old, I was earning, clearing a hundred bucks yeah. every Friday afternoon at 4 PM. I'd get 500 bucks in an envelope. So yeah, I, I guess that was what, and I, I immediately fell in love with landscaping because I got to work hard. Mm. And I was active and throughout, as obviously you probably picked up is I've always been like an active kid, um, like riding BMX bikes. And I never once owned like a PlayStation or I didn't own an Xbox or any of those kind of things. Cause I never, I was always out doing something like riding BMX bikes or, yeah. or those kind of things. I never sitting down, like I couldn't sit down and, and do shit, which is why I guess landscaping was good because I wasn't sitting down. I was just constantly doing things and, um, yeah. And I'd always enjoyed gardening. Um, Mum and dad split up when I was about 13 or 14. So at that age, I started mowing the lawns and started doing the weeds and helping mum out around the house that way, um, doing the irrigation system at home, all those kind of things. So little things from there I picked up 
that gardening side of things from an earlier age as well. So because I'd done that, I'm like, actually, I enjoy this because I, I was doing it anyway. So yeah, went from there and started uh, started landscaping, and then yeah, working Monday to Friday for a guy for about a year, um, and that was the stage. Coming back to the football side of things, mm. is at by that point trying to do landscaping, which was pretty hard on the body. Um, Monday to, to Saturday and having Sundays off, but Monday to Saturday, um, it got to the stage where I'm like, fuck, I'm making 42 bucks a week playing footy yeah. and I'm injuring myself and I'm not being able to work. By this stage, it was like, fuck, I have to really make a decision here and mm-hmm. what avenue do I want to go down? And that's when I decided to choose the, the working side of things. Um, and it was at that stage, um, when I was 18, the end of that year, I, um, yeah, stopped playing footy. Mm. So, and that stage I was playing reserves footy for Nord as well. So I was still playing a high level of footy. Um, yeah, it was kind of that stage where I'd just stopped enjoying footy because mm-hmm. I was injured and I didn't like the coach and just a whole range of things. And, and yeah, pretty much just pulled the pin on it. Um, I think that's been something that's always sort of been something I've done. Either I go things, got things a hundred miles an hour or I don't do things at all. Yeah. Which, which is a either a good thing or it can be a bad thing because if I don't enjoy doing something, I won't do it like homework, like playing footy in the end, I'll just give it away. Yeah. So yeah, obviously it's been good and it's been bad over the years, but I mean, it's worked thus far. I'm either a hundred miles an hour or something or, or I'm not. So by that stage I started working, um, yeah, for this other guy Monday to Friday landscaping. And then I was good at it because I was a hard worker and I enjoyed what I was doing and I was passionate about it. Then the original guy that I was working on Saturday, Sunday said, look, Steve, I'm going out and starting my own landscaping business. Do you want to come work with me? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, all right. Well, you're the guy that got me into this anyway in the first place. Oh yeah, go come work for you. I got along with him better than the fella before because he just like screaming and he was a little Italian fella and he was real short. And I hear that like- What's his name? His name's Dave. His name's Dave? Yeah. That's not a very little Italian fella name. I'm not going to say his full name. Because okay, all right, all right. All right. His name's David. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, just like yelling and stuff. And I've seen him since and he's not angry anymore, but he was just short, short, angry Italian fella and just yelled all the time. And one of those shit bosses to be around. Yeah. Like everyone was like, fuck, when's Dave going to rock up? And everyone was on edge. Like everyone relaxed once David been to the site because mm. then they fucking relaxed. And, mm. But yeah, then I'm like, oh, then, um, yeah, he's like, oh, do you want to come work for me? And I'm like, yeah, right, I'll come work for you. He's like, oh, but the thing is I want you to be my business partner. Mm-hmm. He's like, um, like you're young, you're energetic. I want you to work towards something. Um, he didn't like doing book work, those kind of things. He's like, look, you, you're young. Cause Errol was, he was probably like 60 ish by this stage. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, yeah, I just want you to be the muscle pr- pretty much. And he had all the contacts and stuff. So yeah, we started up our landscaping business then, which was cool. So yeah, started just doing little jobs and then started working up over the years and bought uh, Bobcat, bought a tipper truck, we had two utes, brick saw, whacker plate, five wheelbarrows, all that kind of stuff. So I had a, like a full full setup and did that for uh, five years until I was almost 23. Mm-hmm. So well, four years in business, but five years of landscaping. And then, yeah, it got to the stage where, um, it got to the stage where I guess I was getting a lot better at running a business mm-hmm. and there were things that I wanted to do business wise um, or how, I, how I'd run the business personally. And I'm, I was kind of just sort of got to the stage where I'm like, oh, look, I just need to try something different here. Yeah. Um, 
because yeah, I just, I just need to change. And then that was when I decided, look, I mean, um, obviously when I was, I haven't even gotten into doing weights, but when I was about 18, I started doing, no, no, when I was 14, I started doing weights. So over this whole time I was doing weights mm. out at Nord as a 17 year old, I was, um, body weight, like to power ratio, I was third strongest in the whole Nord footy club. So I was always, um, yeah, enjoying weight training and stuff. And I'd been using subs and stuff. And then that was around the time when I was 23, um, is I'd been using subs and I'd been buying stuff from yourself off mm. eBay, mm-hmm. like Cyto Sports, Cyto Gainer, yeah. um, the original No Explode, Lemon Lime. Good times. Those kind of products, Jack 3D, um, Oxy Elite in the caps had been out and they were just about to reformulate Oxy Elite powder. Mm-hmm. So those kind of products and I'm like, shit, I like this stuff. And then there was a, I'm not going to, oh, you'd know the company, but yeah. it used to be out Elizabeth. Yeah. And they used to do real, real cheap um, deals on eBay, yeah, like three mesomorphs for a hundred bucks. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I used to buy them, the uh-huh. three mesomorphs for a hundred bucks, and I used to keep one and sell two. Yeah, and then used to make. I didn't ever used to have to pay for my subs because I was selling for fifty bucks. Mm. So I'd buy three for a hundred, sell two for fifty bucks each, and keep one for myself for free. And that's what I just used to do at school. And mates started like asking for stuff, and um, mates at the gym really because I was out of school. Sorry, but mates at the gym and and like just people I knew mm. was like, Steve, can you, when you do your next order, can you buy something for me? I'm like, yeah, literally they know. Grab it was, me some pre-workout, yeah, literally, bro. literally they know I was only just ordering from Elizabeth and you could yeah. actually drive out there and get it. And it was probably yeah. a 10 minute drive from your house. But anyway, I was doing that. So I wasn't actually paying for any subs because I was buying, buying like those ones off there. And then any, any extra money I made, I just put back into buying my own subs. Like I was saying, the side of gainer and salvation extend back in the day. Um, and creatine. So it wasn't a whole lot, but got to that stage. I'm like, yeah, I like buying, I like subs. Maybe I can make a business out of it. So that was when I started my own supplement company called Muscle Power Subs. Muscle Power Subs. And it was my uh, initial landscaping business partner who came out with that name. I don't even know why. I guess horsepower, manpower, muscle power, whatever. I got voted the most likely to be on the cover of manpower in year 12 as well. Maybe that's got something to do with it. <laughs> but um, yeah, started muscle power subs and then started. Um, I made an eBay site, I made a website, and I just sold to mates. And I was holding all this inventory, and then like buying stuff from a couple of suppliers. And I had about five grand from when I sold five to ten grand from when I sold my share of the landscaping business when I sold out, mm-hmm. and I spent all my money buying supplements. But I was went with the I bought some Dimatized products, but the little did I know that when you go and you've got like, all right, I'm going to spend three grand on Dimatized products, mm. and you'd know as well as anybody else. But when you're like, fuck, all right, I'll get one of every flavor, and then you get it there, and you're like, fuck, I've just gone through five grand, yeah, and I had like one one of each flavor in each side of protein, mm. and then like one of each flavor of pre workout, and if I sold one, I'm like, fuck, now I've got to like wait to sell more because I can't reorder because yeah. I can't just order one unit mm. and all these kind of things. I, I, yeah. And I'm just like, fuck this, this really isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah. And by this stage I'd quit my landscaping business and yeah, I don't really know what the fuck I was doing for money to be honest, but I, I was living at home. So I guess I didn't really have too many expenses, but yeah, I, I quickly learned that like this lands, this supplement business isn't exactly like I thought it was going to be. Mm. Um, and still not, not as easy as it looks from the outside. No, but that was the thing is I, it was good with brand products that sold well, yeah. like Oxy powder. Yeah. I'd used to sell 
get an order and I'd sell 24 in a single day. Mm. But then all the other shit I'd sit on because I just thought I had to have them and they didn't sell. Whereas if I was just smart and got the good selling products and sold them, there might've been a different story. But yeah, it really wasn't fun to be honest. As funny as I thought it would be. Mm But that was a funny thing is like with my website is I just copy pasted the entire master's website pretty much. All your descriptions, I like just copy and pasted <laughs> all the product images and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I was a fan of Massive Joe's like from from originally, like all the name, the sub bus and mm. all those kind of things. And if you look back to the photos from 2012, I've commented on the photos and, yeah. and that was before I actually had met you in person. And then by this stage, I was been, um, yeah, like lifting weights and powerlifting and uh, I was pretty good at deadlifting and I remember the first time I ever deadlifted, I was 18 because I was landscaping because I was wearing steel caps and a pair of jeans and I pulled 220 off the ground the first time I ever deadlifted. So I was always strong. I don't know if that was because I'd been landscaping or what it was from, but I was just pretty strong in deadlifting. Mm. So, um, yeah, did that. And then by that stage, just didn't really do much, but joined Limbo Gym and then got into it. And then Limbo Gym held a charity powerlifting meet, which was the end of 2011. Yeah, end of 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was about 21 or 20. Yeah, I was about 21. Must have been 21. No, 22, sorry. I did that and then I didn't win that, but I pulled 270, I think, so I pulled 600 pounds. And... With my, this is when I still was doing my supplement brand. I'm using the term supplement business here lightly because it wasn't a business, <laughs> but I was a sponsor of the fucking event. Whatever I did, I don't remember what I did. Probably gave out a free fucking tub of protein or something. And you were there. And then because I'd known you, I started chatting to you. I didn't know you, but I'd seen you online and stuff and I'd been buying off you. So I started chatting to you and then we we're talking and you told me about the reseller program. And I'm like, fuck, why didn't I just do this from the beginning? Because I can just go buy one tub of protein or one type of thing as I needed it and then yeah can just go and do that so that's what I started doing was I started buying products off you Mm. not that much but it was just like five unit five tubs here as I sold them and I'd just drive down to Woodlands Terrace and pick them up after work or whatever I was doing at that time and then um yeah just started buying proteins and selling protein from that way and you had a guy called Mark working for you. Mm-hmm. And then Mark decided to leave to go do personal training, I believe yep. it was. And then you applied, uh, yeah, you uh, advertised for the warehouse position. Mm-hmm. And then that was when I applied for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it kind of bugged Mill a fair bit about it. And I don't think I bugged you, but I mainly bugged Mill about it. Yeah. Um, every time I came in, remember every time I came in, Scooter would make me a blue amino energy when he was here. Yeah. from Indonesia. He'd make me a blue amino energy or he'd make me a fruit fusion amino energy. I used to just come down because I used to fucking like drinking amino energy really, yeah. to be honest, but did that. And then, um, yeah, then went through the job interview and then got the job. And it's funny because, yeah, I don't really know why I got the job, but then looking back as well as I knew you had people in your life at that point who didn't want to give me the job either mm. because I wasn't educated. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but apart from that, I mean, yeah, I knew how to work and, knew a bit about supplements and then got the job and then started working in the warehouse for you. Mm. And that was 2012. That was the the start of 2012. Yeah. March 23rd, 2012 was the first day I started working. So, And then what happened? (laughs) (laughs) That's how, that's how you got to. So that's how I got to Master Joe's. Yeah. Um, in a condensed version. And I have, I've got a lot of questions I get twisted, but I just want you to, I just want you to. to, So I got to 2012. Continue the story. And then, yeah, so it was just you, me and Mill working in the office. Um, 
and Mill was sales manager at that time. You were doing all the stuff you were doing. Yeah. Um, and then I was helping a bit with like eBay and eBay images and setting up eBay and, and those kind of things. And then Mill would print a batch of orders and I'd run them out to the warehouse, pack them up. Yeah. But at this stage, we're talking like 10 to 15 to 20 orders on a busy day. Yeah. So it wasn't a whole heap of orders, but yeah. um, still that kind of thing, like unpacking stock, putting stock away, those kind of things. And then I guess the, um, I mean, I, I, that was the thing is I, I really enjoyed what I was doing because, um, yeah, obviously I was had my hands in everything and I was learning a lot of stuff about the business and um, it was an industry I really enjoyed, which is like the fitness industry. Um, and being around SUPs and I was passionate about SUPs. So really everything was ticking the boxes. Mm. Well, yeah, everything ticks the boxes really um, from what I was enjoying. And um, so yeah, so I did that. And then I think it was sort of over time is I started having a few ideas. Yeah. So stuff like um, I remember you didn't stock diamondizer at that time. So I'm like, you got to bring in ISO 100. And then ISO 100 came in and ISO 100 started selling really well. Mm. And then stuff like... Um, you didn't want to open the retail stores, so I tried to talk into that, and then we found Donacord, and then that kind of snowballed to finding Call of Green and, mm. and those kind of things. And then I guess that was really what started getting me interested in more like business development side of things mm -hmm. and seeing those results and seeing that thing, well, how can we improve this and how can we, yeah, get more money from that and how can we increase sales with this product? And that was, I guess, really started the itch for me for business development. Mm and what works, what doesn't work, why is this sold, why didn't this sell? I guess all the time learning from yourself, um, yeah, sort of how to deal with people and how to deal with customers. And I know you probably drove you crazy all the time about asking how to write emails and all that kind of stuff. But I think now if you look down at how you and I run things at the baseline things, a lot of them are very similar because of things I picked up for you over the time. Um, yeah, I mean, in the way I write emails and, and the way, yeah, just just how to communicate with people, mm. how to make deals with people, those kind of things. So yeah. it was all of those things over time, picking them up from you. Um, but yeah, just at that stage, it was really just packing up orders and doing the online stuff. And then I moved into the sales manager role. So that was Mill's role at the time. Yeah. And I think Mill around then was, went over to accounts or something. And then by that stage, like Jez had come on board. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it was just you, me, Jez and Mill at that stage. Uh, or it was a deal. A deal, a deal as well. And we had Jack. And Jack. So yeah. there's only like a small team of us. Yeah. But I mean- You were like, you were just to like kind of flesh the timeline out for, for the listeners who kind of know the story of Massive Joe's, because mm. I've told the story of Massive Joe's a yeah. lot. This is, the way that this kind of integrates is you really came into the business at the point where- I had finished my university studies and I had committed to the business full time. Yeah, because so the way, and I think like you'd only been in the warehouse for like four to six months or something. But I remember we signed the lease on that warehouse on Woodlands Terrace in like August 2011. Yeah. Um, and I was still studying at the time. And mm. so we didn't actually start operating from there until the end of 2011, yeah. start of 2012. So yeah. when you came into the business was literally when I had like, left my sister's garage yeah. as the warehouse of Massive Joe's mm. and actually got into like a proper warehouse. Yeah. Um, and, you know, really started started dedicating the majority of my time to the business. Yeah. So you kind of came in, you know, at the real beginning stages mm. of, of what people know Massive Joe's as now. Mm. 
But it's yeah, and when you when you look at sort of all the stuff that like was there is yeah. um like just the the boxes like we had aisles of stuff and yeah. there were just boxes on the ground. Boxes on the floor, man. I remember yeah. there was like just a few bunning shelves at the end and then it was a big deal when we had to go all when yeah. you know, had to go get us to get another bunning shelf or because yeah. <laughs> we ran out of shelf on one bunning shelf. So there's a lot of stuff, yeah, like that just building up and then it became, yeah, Jez who I'm still best mates with Jez nowadays and I was in his wedding and then yeah. obviously Dilly, well he's been here for seven years now as well. Mm-hmm. Um and Jack, we still speak to Jack. So I mean I think a lot of that time was when like a lot of my lifelong friends were created. Yeah. Um Joel was obviously sniffing around too. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it was really that core group of people that um yeah, it was almost like I wasn't didn't have a job to be honest, mm. because like we worked hard, but at the same time it was just like hanging out with my mates every day. It was like going back to school again. Like it was yeah, it was really like being back at school. Like yeah, I'd do a bit of work, but <laughs> like it was it was more fun than anything because you got to see your mates every day, and um, yeah, I like played. Would not, I mean, yeah, as I said, we worked, but then all the stuff we got to do, like run the NFL lines and throw the NFL football after work and all those kind of things is, yeah, they were just like cool shit we are doing. <laughs> and, um, I remember running lines, I remember <laughs> running lines through the aisles in Woodlands <laughs> Terrace Warehouse yeah. and throwing the, the, the yeah, the gridiron yeah. down the lines and trying not to hit supplements and break half the lights in the warehouse and, and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny when you look back at sort of, not funny, but when you look back at how, how the business was that, those days, yeah. I mean, like four o'clock, we had to go pack all the stuff to go to the store for the next day. And then whoever was working the store put the stock in their car and they drove the stock out there. I mean, now we've got Post Haste who yeah. do nine stores twice a week. Mm. So, I mean, there's a company that does just that now. I mean, mm. when you look at how much things have grown yeah. compared to like one of us running around grabbing all the shit we needed for the stores the next day. So... Yeah, we went from that time and then obviously went for six um, sort of staff at HQ and then one of us just rotated through Dernicourt each day yep. and then went to Gawler and then two of us kind of rotated through stores each day and Jez was in stores sort of half the time and I was in stores half the time and Jack was in stores half the time. Yep. And I reckon that was around when Beard came in. So Beard's almost been here for seven years now as well, I reckon, but or six, seven years. But yeah, it was stuff like that when yeah, the business kind of really started to to take off. And um, I think once we got to three or four stores, that was when the business really had to make a change and, all right, well, we really need a HQ, yeah. HQ crew and then we really need a retail staff. And yeah. yeah, I mean, and that was cool to see all of that kind of things develop. And then I mean, once there was more retail staff, then Leah was getting giving up her DJ stuff and she came and started working as retail manager. And I mean, that was around the time really when, yeah, everyone sort of started falling into place, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, there was so, there was so much like, um, just real like grassroots basic. Shit, yeah. That was it. You know, and none of it was really planned. It was just it kind really of, it really wasn't. It was literally like, you know, like I talk about bootstrapping a business. It was like actual bootstrapping a business. Like, yeah. When we started opening the retail stores, which obviously you pushed me to open Dernan Court mm. first and foremost, and then we kind of went from there. But it was never like, all right, we need to employ a retail store manager. It was like, no, we've got staff, so yeah. we're just going to rotate out of head office. And we had like a rotating schedule. So, mm. you know, you'd work two days a week at Dernan Court, a day a week at Gawler. Yeah. Um, you know, the other two days a week at HQ, I would do the same. Mm. Uh, Jack would do the same. Do, like, it was literally like, 
all right, how are we going to make this work? Yeah. <laughs> we really don't know anything else. No. Nah. So let's just do this and see if it works. But that was the thing is like, yeah, as I said, nobody had like a defined role. No. Nah. Um, so I mean, I had the title of sales manager, but obviously I was doing a lot of those other things. Yeah. And then Jack had business development and deal with IT and Jez mm. was warehouse manager, but yeah, no, the warehouse manager spent half the time in the retail stores and, mm-hmm. and all those kind of things. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was interesting from that point of view. And then from that, I mean, then we started, but we were still going out and packing orders ourselves though, as Correct. well, helping pack orders. Yeah. So it wasn't like we're just sitting at a desk and like, it was, there, was a, there was literally a time, and I'm going to say it was probably, we opened Dernancourt in uh, 2013. Yeah. Right. July 2013. Mm. And then Gorla was May 2014, so mm. almost a year later. So mm. I reckon there was a time like 2014, probably that entire year, mm. where everyone in the business did every job in the business. Yeah. You know? Yeah. like. All of us ran a retail store for a couple of days a week. Mm. All of us were packing orders. All of us did some sort of um, business development piece. Yeah. Like everybody was able to do every single position within the job. And it was interesting because I think because we came through that stage is everyone just got used to working like that as well though. Yeah, 100%. And everyone got used to working hard when it was under pressure. And I remember Jez some days, Jez had packed 200 orders on his own mm-hmm. in a single day. Mm-hmm. Now the guys lose their shit when there's five of them out there with 200 orders. Yeah. But yeah, it was really those kind of things where is we kind of just adapted, as you said, and things, yeah, we kind of just stepped up as we needed to be. And it was, yeah. And I think a big thing that was because of just like a good group of guys who, yeah. that was probably an issue is you and I just hired guys that we wanted to train with and, yeah. and hang out with. But the end result is it had like good culture, which is a big thing in business mm. because we're all mates and we all wanted to work hard and we're all the same sort of personality and, and all those kind of things. So um, yeah, we did that and then, yeah, slowly the business progressed and went to Perth and then seven stores and eight stores and then closed one down and nine and moved a couple, moved warehouses yeah. and moved stores and all those kind of things. And yeah, I guess over time, the things have uh, developed within the business and then roles have become more defined. And then that's when, like we're talking to Leo moved into retail store manager, a deal was IT and then he has IT team and then mm. Josh moved into business development and, um, then into warehouse manager and you now he's back on whatever he's doing now. And mm. yeah, so it was really over those times is, um, yeah, just a whole heap of business development on top of things. And I think that was really where I enjoyed, yeah, that whole business development side of things mm. is building a brand and building a business or assisting in building a business from, from the ground up, which, which I really enjoyed. So, yeah. So let's just, I, you know, we, we can, we can reminisce about, uh, the, the good old days mm. at, uh, the grassroots level of massive mm. Joe's all episode if we mm. want, but I just want to pull it back to, mm. to, to you and your journey. Cause that's mm. what this is really about. Mm. So you've come into the business pretty much as like warehouse managers. Mm. We didn't really, let's say where you work yeah. in the warehouse. Yeah. We didn't really have a job title. No, we didn't really have I was job warehouse, description. It was warehouse assistant. I think it was, well, that was yeah. what a, but yeah, I don't so know. I, assi- I don't know who I was assisting because I was, <laughs> you one of the the yeah. I was warehouse. assisting the warehouse. Yeah, I was warehouse uh, assistant. You've then moved into, I believe it at the point we called it online sales manager. Yeah, online sales manager. Yeah. And then we I mean, at that stage, it was just like printing the orders, yeah. handling, um, printing eBay orders, printing website orders, yeah. getting back to stock uh, staff about us, customers about where their order is, if they wanted different flavors, yeah. customer service, those kind of things. Yeah. And then you've moved from there. We started opening retail stores. 
we had we did a big HR restructure. Mm. I'm going to say at the end of 2015. I reckon it was the end of 2015. We brought a third party HR company in, mm. set the, the set all the structure up mm. correctly, and I think at that point you went to national sales manager. Yeah, so I went to national sales manager, yeah. which was, I mean, I, I was still still overseeing the online side of things. But at this stage, I started taking over more stuff like the specials and stock ordering yeah. and, and uh, new products and um, started sort of helping negotiate like raw reviews and, and those kind of deals that we were running with businesses and then started um, meeting with the, the different reps and um, meeting with the different suppliers and, yeah, all those kind of things. I mean, Leah was still running retail stores, I believe, by that point. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, she was sort of t- yeah, obviously taking care of that stuff, but in terms of actually what was going into the stores and stuff is I sort of had my hand sort of in that pie there. Mm-hmm. And then you, you were quote, quote unquote national sales manager and everything that that job entailed, yeah. um, for a couple of years, a couple of years, yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. And then you moved into general manager, general manager, which was a bit more towards the end of 2017. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that was still those roles that I was already doing, except I think by that stage online started going out a bit more to Alex in the warehouse. Mm. Um, He started doing the order processing and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And with general manager then sort of took over more managing the managers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, having like meetings with Adil and Leah and Josh and Joel and those kind of guys and, and yeah, having, having their weekly meetings mm. on top of the other stuff I was doing and on top of obviously weekly words and sub wars and yeah. all those kind of videos as well. Yeah. Mm. And you're a general manager for 18 months? About 18 About, months? Yeah. 18 months, two years? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now you're retiring? And now I'm retiring. <laughs> he's, he's done. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny how it's sort of come around and I guess it's come around to sort of how – the business has progressed yeah. and the business becoming what it is today yeah. because my job obviously now is not overseeing everything like I once was, mm. which I guess, I mean, every business has to do. Mm. I mean, like the store manager, like my dad is a store manager at Coles, isn't running around putting fruit and veg on the shelves and he isn't doing like, doing the night field jobs and stuff. Right. He's just making sure that the managers are doing what they need to do. I guess for me, that was, um, that became that I was sort of just like pigeonholed into sitting at my desk a lot more mm. and I wasn't as active and I wasn't, didn't have my hands over as many things as I used to and those kind of things. And then, yeah, I guess it's really just become the f- point where, the point where my job isn't challenging as much as what it used to be. Mm. And by that I mean, yeah, like just sitting. And is it's I don't know how to how to say it, but it's kind of become very because I've been good at it. It's coming second nature. I can't yeah. think of what the word is. Just so comfortable. Comfortable, I guess. Yeah. And that was the thing is I know what I need to do. I know I've got a good relationship with reps. Is yeah. I know that I can hit up this rep or that rep and get a special in two minutes. And yeah. and I know how to hit up reps and say, look, give us give us a raw review, give us what marketing dollars you want to spend and those mm. kind of things. And I guess that was the thing is I was just sitting at my desk and it wasn't challenging me and I was becoming too comfortable. Mm. Um, and yeah, I guess I didn't like who I was becoming mm. being in that comfortable position. Mm. 
Um, it kind of took me back to where I was 17 again, not wanting to go sit at a desk, be a chiro and a physio yeah. and wanted to be out doing stuff, which is when I was doing my landscaping, I enjoyed. And when I was doing my um, PT, um, like in the gym, I enjoyed doing like the cleaning of the gym, but then I hated doing all the sales phone calls and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, compared, I guess, to, to when Master Joe started and there was that whole sort of, yeah, oversight of, of running out and packing orders and then going out and dropping this off and going out and doing this and doing that is it was all very active and constantly being pushed and yeah. and those kind of things. And I guess it was just got to the stage where I'm like, fuck, I really need to push myself out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. or, yeah, you kind of just become stale, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess that was what it needed to be is I just need to face new challenges. So I've got a few questions for you. Mm-hmm. Questions that, uh, that, that I know the listeners and the viewers are interested to know. Mm-hmm. So we've heard your life, we've heard, you know, pretty much a life story mm. up until this point. Mm. I think the first question is, do you have any regrets? Um, let me rephrase, let me rephrase the question. Perhaps not regrets. Do you have any decisions that you've made where you're, where you sometimes wish, not, not even wish, where you sometimes consider what would have happened had I made a different decision? I have in a couple aspects. Yep. I mean, I don't because I enjoy where I am now mm. and where I'm at. And mm. I think if you're going to change things, I could be dead. Mm. I could be in jail. <laughs> I could be fucking wherever. I don't know. Yeah. Like I, I don't like saying that I wish I could change things because then I wouldn't be here right now speaking yeah. in this meeting or this podcast. I guess I wish I had applied myself in school differently. Mm-hmm. And I wish school had taught me differently. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you fucking used Pythagoras or used, found the length of the third, the, what is X on a triangle? Yeah, the, the apply, applied knowledge. Yeah. 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 Those kind of things. I understand why they're used in school, but mm. they've fucking given me, I don't know, need to know what osmosis is. I don't need to know yeah. any of that kind of shit that I learned. And I think for me is that's why I wasn't um, interested in school because I'm like, when the fuck am I going to use this shit? Yeah. Whereas I wish that I had undertaken a bit more to like business. And I think mm. there's a lot of things that I would have found a lot more interest in school, such as like investing and um, like writing business plans yeah. and how to lodge your tax and um, just things that were generally yeah. more interesting to yeah. you, which is, I think, you know, is something that's becoming quite prevalent at the moment. Mm. Um, and there's a little bit of a spotlight on it is like the traditional educational system yeah. doesn't work for a lot of people. And I mean, for, for me, I got offered a, uh, a football scholarship yeah. at, um, fuck, what's that big one in the city, just on the outside of the city? I'm not sure. It's one of the colleges. Anyway, I got offered a full scholarship there and yeah. I didn't go because I just wanted to hang out with my mates. So it was stuff like that. So it wasn't the, like I didn't have a good education mm. or wasn't because, yeah, I just wasn't being taught what I wanted to be taught. Yeah. And yeah, looking back, if I probably, I mean, even in year 12 is I did stuff that pushed me towards fitness. Mm. It's like I did nutrition, I did English, I did maths, I did biology, I did PE. So the things I did pushed me towards, all right, well, I knew like like the body and stuff and the human body and how how the body works and all that kind of stuff interests me. But I don't think that, yeah, sort of school taught me what I needed to know or what I would have been engaged knowing. Mm. Um, so I, probably if I went back, 
I knew there were a few classes like business communication, business management, business communications and stuff. And I probably wish I had have gone and done something like that. But then the thing is, I know a lot of people have done business management courses in TAFE and shit and they're fucking hopeless. And they're no better off than real world experience. Exactly. And I think that means, I don't think you need a piece of paper to say that you can run a business. Either you can fucking run a business or you can't. And I think that you and I have, um, yeah, seen when a lot of people like marketing managers have come along within within massive juries and they've yeah. had absolutely zero idea just because they've gone and sat four years at TAFE or uni, sorry, to, to say they've got a marketing degree and they fucking don't know how to apply it to the supplement industry. Yeah. They don't know how to do any, like, yeah, it's, it's really real world, real world experience. Probably the other thing is, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that was what my dad pushed was like regretting football. Mm is probably I do regret giving up football when I did. Mm. Um, I mean, it was a rough time, I guess, being 18 and not sure, unsure of myself and what I want to do in the future is giving up footy to go start working um, just because, like, I needed to do something um, because I didn't enjoy the coach because I just turned 18 and mm. Jim Beam tasted better than Powerade, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, enjoyed hanging out with my mates more. And then that was a lot of the things when, yeah, probably that 18, 19 stage where, yeah, probably like playing footy if I went back and, and put in how hard I knew I could work, I probably could have made it a lot further than what I did. Um, I mean, yeah, that's really I – mean, I don't have regrets, man, because I think that every decision I've made has turned out pretty well in the end. Well, the, you know, the fact of the matter is you're never going to know the outcomes of the decisions you mm. didn't make. Yeah, exactly. You know, so there's no point pondering about but it. Like but it's, just, it's interesting because yeah. sometimes, you know, I've got things in my life where I'm like, fuck, you know. Once again, it's not a regret because mm. every – you know, you can't join the dots looking forward. You can only join looking back. And I'm mm. happy with where I'm at now. But it's like, why did I – make that decision. Yeah. Why did I spend so much time doing that? Or why did I not spend enough time doing that? Mm. Why did I not put more effort in there mm. in hindsight when I knew that I was only operating at 40%, mm. you know, those sorts of things. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stupid shit I've done, like putting 50 grand into cars instead of putting it into a house. Yeah. <laughs> like those kind of shit, but they're kind of decisions that like a lot of guys make. And mm. I think that everything I've done though has set me up for where I am now or mm. set me up for things down the track is, yeah, obviously as you said about connecting the dots, is, yeah, you don't really know how they're going to be useful down the future or you don't know where they're going to come in handy. Only in hindsight. So, Only yeah. looking backwards. My second question for you is, so you've made, you know, throughout your life, you've made some some pretty, you've made those sorts of decisions that you can look back and count on one hand. Yeah. And go, these were the decisions that actually changed the path mm. that that I went down. Yeah. Um, you know, that the... the um, I mean, there's multiple that you've you've described. Obviously, I know a little bit about um, other parts of your life as mm. well, where there's been decisions made that have changed mm. the direction that you've you've gone that you, you haven't covered. Mm. But a lot of those decisions, those sorts of you know count on one hand type decisions, mm. take a lot of courage. Yeah, you know, to to just to rehash some that you've brought up. You know, deciding to stop playing football. Mm. Um, going and and uh firstly starting the landscaping business with errol mm. leaving the landscaping business with errol mm. uh you know those sorts of of really courageous type decisions mm. um that you seem to have made you know with relative frequency mm. how do you or how have you no, i can say how do you because you've just made one recently mm. uh build up the courage to take the leap um 
I think I, I mean, I'm a daydreamer. Yeah. Is I daydream a lot. Yeah. And I think I have a lot of, uh, I've got a lot of high goals set for myself mm. and even like with football and with like uh, the gym and, and work and those kind of things is I have goal set and I'm frequent goal setter. Mm. And I think that that's where sort of I have to look at decisions and I say, well, look, is what I'm currently doing going to get me towards my goal? Yeah. And I think if what I'm doing isn't getting me towards my goal, then that's when I think that things need to be changing. As well as that, I mean, I'm just a big believer in happiness. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not ha- not happy, not enjoying what I'm doing, I change shit up pretty quickly. Yeah. Probably without giving it too much thought, probably without giving like stopping and thinking about the consequences. Yeah. Probably without actually fucking putting one foot in front of the other mm. and hopefully my feet catch up later on, I kind of just fall forwards and, and hope things will work out. And really they have worked out for me thus far. Which, they always do. Which has been good. But yeah. I mean, a lot of the things like, like I've said is I stopped, I stopped enjoying footy. So mm. I didn't, I stopped playing footy. Mm. I didn't enjoy doing homework. So I didn't do homework. I, with, um, like my other landscaping jobs, I didn't like the fucking little boss that used to yell at me. So I thought, fuck it, I'll go work for Errol. Yeah. Those kind of things is, yeah, I kind of just chase happiness at the end of the day as well. And I think that's what people need to do mm. at the end of the day is, is what you're doing, making you happy. And is that Steve Jobs quote as well? Mm. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head what it is, but it's the thing about being happy. And when, if you wake up enough days and you're not enjoying what you're doing, then just go do something else. Something to make a change. Um, yeah. I think in life, if, I've always been, I, I think, and I've always tried to be a nice guy yep. to people yep. and I've always tried to never burn any bridges. Mm. Um, I've tried to like leave every room like better than all those kind of fucking stupid cliches. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's always helped me in the long run, especially with business and here at Massive Joe's. There are a lot of people that I've met that, and you've known have been, oh, yeah, like Steve and I used to train together at Limbo five years ago. and. Yep. Steve and I played footy together and I went to school with Steve and these kind of things is like a lot of these things have come back to help me mm. in the future. Like with Errol is like even going and starting landscaping again is, is like Errol's given me work again mm. and he's going to let me subcontract for him. And a lot of those kind of things is I can always go back and rely on these people and the relationships I've made and the friendships I've made and the, mm. yeah. And really, use that to help me out. Not in a, not in a, um, a way to say, obviously you need to go around fucking kissing everyone's ass and and that kind of thing. But yeah, I just think that you don't really know what's going to happen in the future, as I've said. Mm. So I just think you need to make the most of every situation and make the most of every relationship you make. And then, yeah, you never know when you're going to need someone in the future. Mm. I think we see that way too much as people just burning bridges. 100%. And then down the track it comes down to oh fuck where I remember when Steve did this back when he was yeah. eighteen or people hold grudges, man. <laughs> they do. I mean I people hold people hold grudges. I hold grudges. So yeah. everyone holds grudges and that's the thing is um yeah, I think that when I've made those decisions is I always think, Well fuck, somebody's gonna come fucking look out for me sooner or later. Like mm. <laughs> I mean, even like when I've um sort of announced that I was handing my resignation to Master Joe's, I had like eight fucking job offers come in. Mm. But from people I've met over the years, yep. like, do you want to come be a used car salesman? Yeah. Do you want to come install solar panels? Do you want to come do concreting? Do you want to come 
landscaping again all this kind of shit no no job offers in the soft industry though <laughs> shows, shows how good i did in the soft industry but a lot of people over the years have yeah sort of come back and offer those stuff where i'm like well fuck if if it doesn't work out then whatever i'll yeah i'll they'll i'd sort of just trust myself that i'll be able to make money somehow yeah it's all gonna work out i mean it's, it's a, like at the end of the day it's all fucking dollars and cents and mm. i mean yeah, if you make a thousand dollars a week somehow, I'll be able to get by. So, couple of final questions for you, mm. relating to your work here at Massive Joe's. Mm. What has been your favorite part over the seven and a half years that you've been here? Definitely the friendships. Yep. Like with yourself, um, as said, like Jazz, Joel, Dill, mm-hmm. those kind of guys I've made over the years. Um, I mean, for me, having fun, I guess, is probably the biggest thing. Um, and yeah, Massive Joe's really, as I said, hasn't really felt like a job for half the time yeah. because of the being like around you every day, but also like doing stuff I enjoy, like lifting weights and mm-hmm. not that people think that the whole fucking thing is lifting weights, but lifting weights, shooting videos, those kind of things I enjoy is it really hasn't felt like a job yeah. while I've been here. So been good times mm. good times and also the things i've experienced like like america three times and body power and all the expos and um yeah those kind of things is the sort of things Ronnie that, coleman's house yeah Ronnie coleman's house but i mean if i hadn't been at massive joe's i probably wouldn't have ever been outside of australia still yeah like, i wouldn't have gone to america i wouldn't have yeah. gone to london those kind of things um yeah things that i got to experience and as you said and as we said before in podcasts it's a lot of shit that we've experienced that like we take for granted, like training with Flex Lewis, mm-hmm. training in Ronnie Coleman's house, mm-hmm. training with the Hodge Trins, Mike Rashid, Mike Loveliner, Doug Miller, Rich Piana. You fucking, you name the list and it's really a who's who of the fitness industry. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and yeah, probably we do take it for granted. I know I take it for granted and don't really, people sort of mention Ronnie Coleman, like, oh yeah, Ronnie Coleman, like, mm. I mean, some people obviously hold them up on pedestals, but for me, I mean, I guess because we've got to know people on this personal level is... There's regular guys who just enjoy lifting weights at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, definitely the friendships I've made is probably, and yeah, just enjoying what I do is probably the thing I've enjoyed the most. Last question, mm. two parts. Mm-hmm. And just because one of them you've kind of addressed, but I just want to, you know, have it, uh, ask it as a question mm-hmm. because I know perhaps even a lot of people might've missed it. Mm-hmm. Why are you moving on and what are you going to do? What's the next chapter look like? I mean, I think I was like, I have come to a point in my life, I guess, where I want to sort of do my own thing now. Mm. Um, And with my landscaping down the track and it's sort of connecting the dots again is I really enjoyed landscaping, but I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't know anything about marketing. I didn't know anything about relationships i didn't know anything about invoicing i didn't know anything about budgeting those kind of things um that really i didn't know back then which i'm like fuck well maybe if i knew how to do that kind of stuff Mm. a lot of things like subcontracting and and stuff i've just learned over the years i mean i was only 22 when i I was only 19 when i started my my business so as i didn't really know much um i just enjoyed laying lawns and those kind of things and laying pavers so Mm. i mean i think going back and yeah, starting like landscaping. Um, but I really want to get into, my goal is to actually be a house builder mm. and actually get my build, uh, builder's license and actually build like, yeah, build houses and, and 
I guess that's the benefit of growing up in the northern suburbs is all my mates are tradies and not one of my mates went to uni. They've mm. all got a trade behind them. So, I mean, on that side of thing as well is is just, yeah, really building something that – I'm a visual person. I like standing back and seeing what I've created. Mm. Um, I mean, kind of when you just hit send on an email is you don't really see that fulfilment. And I guess it's that what I'm chasing is that, that sort of sense of fulfilment at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, sort of going back and – that sense of fulfillment that I've actually built something and, yeah. and and achieved something is, I guess, what I'm chasing. The thing is, I might do landscaping again for six months and not enjoy it. But I guess that's the thing is, I guess I'm just waiting to see what. It's almost like an itch you need to scratch. Yeah, but also I don't know what is going to present itself. Yeah, I don't know what doors might open. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it's all these little things. Is when you sit here with the podcast we've done over over the while mm. is the stuff even like Aaron Polite is talking to him and mm. like stuff like owning a concreting business like truck business and he's got three trucks and he's got people that go drive trucks yeah is the stuff like that in business where it's like fuck all that's the shit I've never even never even thought of mm. and I guess it's really just getting out there and, and just being active and trying to just sort of get my head flowing again mm. um and yeah, just seeing what does come, what what appears itself, and, mm. and yeah, whether that is just going and doing landscaping for a year, or going and doing concreting for six months, or installing solar panels for six months, is yeah, I'll see what happens. Then, I mean, I've got the gym as well, mm-hmm. so there's always that that I can well, that I want to work on on the side a bit more, and um, yeah, so yeah. there's that kind of stuff. Is is there's yeah a lot of things that I want to try, and I guess it's more yeah more so just that itch that mm. I want to just see what comes of it. So mm. who knows? Well, I man. could be unemployed in fucking six months. <laughs> <laughs> unemployed. I mean, I could be, I don't know, Centrelink in six months. You never know. Man, I, I, uh, I think you're going to be just fine in, uh, in whatever you choose to do, whatever path you choose to take. But it's been one hell of a ride. Mm. Seven and a half and a little bit years. Mm. Um, and, you know, you've been a, uh, uh, well, I'm going to say A, I'm going to say the, uh, most valuable team member um, at Massive Joe's from back when you joined in 2012. Um, you know, we've had a, a lot of good times. We had some bad times. We had mm. some indifferent times. Um, but uh, a lot of a lot of fun memories mm. for sure. I mean, I think the the big thing for me that this podcast has yeah. um, sort of shown me is that I don't really think of my decisions. Yeah, I kind of just act on them and then kind of just do it. Do it. I mean, but you know what it is, man. It's it's one of those things that you know we speak a, a lot about specifically in this podcast mm. is doing pursuing what pursuing a couple of things pursuing things that kind of pique your interest, um, pursuing things that that make you happy mm. or that you think you're passionate about, mm. and kind of pursuing that and seeing if you actually are passionate about it. But I mean, that's like when you say like, yeah. why are you leaving Massive Joe's? It's like. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't really know. Yeah. And I tried to. It's time to do something different. But I, you try yeah. and fucking make a fucking philosophical answer and it's like, yeah, I don't fucking actually know because there's no reason that I'm not enjoying it. It's Correct. just time for me to do something new. It's time for you to do something else, which takes a lot of courage mm. to, to make that decision. And um, everyone that's, and I guess everyone that's told, like my mum, my dad, anyone are like, why, why the fuck would you do that? Yeah. Like why, especially my mum, who's very nine to five security job. Mm. Um. Yeah, like a well-paying nine-to-five secure job. Yeah, um, it's like why the fuck are you leaving? Is mm. 
I guess that was that, that was actually the hardest thing was ringing my mum to tell her that I quit because yeah, um, yeah, because I knew that she'd be fucking pissed off at me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's just one of those things where a lot of the time I don't think you really need a reason for a lot of the things if you sort of just have a gut feeling. A lot of times is or just you've got that decision is just follow it, but then attack mm. it a hundred percent. So yeah. it's the kind of thing you said, like burn the bridges kind of, if you've got that safety burn net of whatever it is. Don't burn bridges. Yeah. Burn, burn your boats. boats. <laughs> That's the thing is if, if you've always got that security net of like, all right, well, I'm going to start the hit center or I'm going to start doing this. Yeah. And it's like, oh, if it fails, I've got massive Joes. It's like, well, yeah. all right, if I don't fail, I don't have massive Joes anymore. Like mm. I fucking have to make it work or yeah. with starting something on the side or a lot of people with their side business, for example, if I just start doing landscaping on the side and it's like, well, I'll just do that Saturday and Sunday and try and build that up. But the thing is, is like, it's never really going to fucking take off because I'm not yeah. giving it the time it needs and I've always got massive Joes there. And then, yeah. To be honest, I don't know why I'm leaving, but I'm mm. leaving and just time to do something new. That, that's all I can say. Time to do something new. Well, man, I just want to say, uh, you know, personally, from my perspective, thank mm. you mm. for the the time and effort um, and dedication that you've shown to the business, mm. um, you know, since 2012. Mm. Uh, a lot of what, what you guys, the listeners, uh, experience, uh, the viewers, you know, what you guys know Massive Joe's to be, uh, right now at this point mm. in time um you know big neve has had a lot to do with that it's um, funny because i think a lot of the things that sort of have come from massive joe's that we've done over the years have been shit that you and i've just spoken about while we're training or just driving yeah. a lot of stuff i remember this like podcast or like even like your per <laughs> like, but i remember even your personal instagram was driving yeah. through the streets in birmingham yeah. when we we're looking for a sim card to put in our phones yeah. i'm like you need to do a fucking joseph mento instagram page yeah. like you can't keep posting shit on massive joe's yeah and now you've done that and yeah, now you've yeah. got yeah. But all that kind of stuff is, is yeah, I mean, when you think back about all the little shit that sort of yeah, adds up over time and... There's so much, man. Yeah, there's a lot that sort there's of... So much. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we only named a couple there, but yeah, it's just been cool to be a part of so yeah. much stuff and um, yeah, I mean, from from everything, from new products to, to stores to employing people to apparel to... Mm all that kind of stuff, TV series, all that kind of stuff, TV, like all video series, yeah. all that kind of stuff is over the years is, yeah, it's kind of been stuff that, as I said, doesn't really feel like work and it's given me the chance to express my creativity side, creative mm. side and, um, yeah. Mm. Well, I just want to say thank you, man. No, thank you. From, from me personally, mm. um, you know, it's, uh, you've definitely been invaluable uh, mm. and you are forever going to be a, quite a significant thread in the fabric of Massive Joe's. Mm. Uh, however, this business moves forward without you and whatever you move forward to go and do uh, post your time here at Massive Joe's. And, you know, I just want to say thank you on behalf of the listeners and the viewers as well mm. and everybody who's been touched by this business, um, you know, because I'm sure that everybody appreciates your your input, not just what they see through the podcast and the video mm. series and all the things that kind of people see, but behind the scenes, a lot of the, uh, the, the initiatives that you put in place that um, perhaps people don't realize mm. uh, was was one of your initiatives and, mm. and something that you put into practice as well. So um, a couple of big thank yous to you. No, thank you. Thank you everyone that's, yeah, that has been listening over the years and has been a fan and a fan of Master Jerry's and yep. the support and not support, which has made us work harder and, and those kind of things. Yeah. So yeah, thank you to everyone. And yeah, I mean, I'll still be around, but I just... You'll still be around. Yeah. You'll still be around. Still, you might feature in the next podcast. I still need supplements. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, that's uh, that's a wrap. That's the, the finale of the Massive Joe show. We made it 26 episodes, mm. 26 of the best. 
Uh, and now we're going to be turning over a new leaf. We can't continue this podcast, obviously, without Big Neve. He was uh, a crucial part of the Massive Joe show. So I still think the Bosch Josh Hour. <laughs> the Bosch Josh Hour. <laughs> so we're going to be moving to a new podcast. Um, probably within the uh, within the next couple of weeks. We're going to call it the Fitness Times Business Podcast, which is pretty much an extension of the Massive Joe Show, obviously, mm. um, but going to allow us to, you know, kind of spread wings a little bit, um, you know, talk a little bit more, um, have episodes specifically on business and bring different people in as guests and so on and so forth. So it's a little bit of an evolution mm. um, for the podcast. There still will be a podcast, make no doubt about it. Uh, if you get Tony Doldy in. Yeah, well, wow, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So just moving away from the format of the Massive Joe Show and moving to a little bit of a broader format in the Fitness Times Business Podcast uh, is going to allow us to uh, to put a lot of those things into practice. So that's a wrap mm-hmm. for the Massive Joe Show. For this episode 26, for this podcast, we're closing the door on this one. We're going to open the door on another one. Guys, as always, if you have enjoyed this episode of the Massive Joe Show, which I know you all have, Make sure that you post about it in your Instagram story. Tag. At, what's my name? Steve James Mills. At Steve James Mills. Tag myself at Joseph Medsell. Tag at Massive Joe's, of course, uh, and spread the love on the Massive Joe Show podcast. Mm. Big Neve. Thank you. For the very last time. Where are we coming to him from, man? MassiveJoe's.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Massive Joe's Show. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it be SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Massive Joe's Show, ensure that you give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Until next time, we're coming to you from MassiveJoes.com. Stay massive.